At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome on to one of our favorite pods of the year. Top 10 prospects in the NBA. Really enjoyable to do this every year. Really fun to track these players, how accurate we were. Been doing this now since 2014, which is crazy to think about. We'll probably go back and just look at some of the historical ones at the end here if we have time. But let's begin here, Danny, with how we do this yeah so the we'll start with eligibility so the rule that you and i have for eligibility one the player has to be in the nba so high school players college players international players are ineligible also they have to be basketball reference age 23 and younger the idea actually you could explain the idea behind that specific age number yeah well and so the basketball reference age is their age as of february 1st in a given season normally we do this in december but this year obviously with the later starts of the season we're doing it now but still about the same amount into the season maybe a little bit past so we're about a third of the way a little bit more than that through the season at the moment but the reason we picked age 23 and some of these other lists do 25 and younger i think 23 that's the age where just as a normal commentary even if it's just the announcer the guy does something awesome on the floor like and can you believe that he's only 23 yeah there's i think when a guy is 23 and younger there's still a feeling that he has there's still the sky is the limit potentially on his development that there is a lot more for him to do he's he's a prospect that's what fun to really try to project out once a guy gets to 24 i think you obviously there are exceptions to this but i think you can say all right he's pretty close to getting fully formed here and so a lot of good players obviously have graduated out of that this year we'll get to who those are uh but the the other thing we should get to is the is the criteria this is not who is the best player now that is a that is a different thing it is basically i i like to think of it as that if you got to pick that player and have them for the the reasonable term if you want to use and it's not necessarily like rest of their career but maybe you want to think of the eight years of team control that might be a healthy way to think about it of having them for that long and yeah for, i i i do it as the rest of the, their career yeah it's basically. it's it's probably not that much of a difference it's kind of like to to their peak and maybe to the end of their peak um yeah for like someone like zion or ja i think it's actually going beyond that eight years is something that it can, sure at least, yeah, at especially least for me, if they're, especially if they're younger the same way yeah yeah and also incredibly important for my own criteria though i believe you feel the same is 
expected value matters you know like for where where a player can be what they can do what they cannot do but that true mvp upside or best player on a championship team even if it is a faint glimmer that gets some real value in this because those players are extremely hard to get they can be developed i mean Kawhi leonard has reached that level steph curry wasn't drafted super duper high and he was he was of course at that level before but those players move the needle significantly more than everyone else and as you and i have talked about recently just as a general concept for me somebody reliably creating good shots for themselves and or others that is more valuable than defense you can scheme defensively and versatility is more valuable than non-versatility all other things equal which they never are yeah and i like to look at it too as you know what kind of championship equity do you have right that is the point of this sport i'm gonna guys who have the upside to be that top level star or guys who could fit in on a championship team are gonna get a little bit more credence for me if you're someone who is really driving your offense or defense or has the ability to do that to make that an elite unit kind of on your own that's something that really appeals as well then obviously age is going to be a big factor here as well if you're producing at 19 the same as another guy is producing at 22 or maybe even a little bit less than a guy at 22 i'm probably going to value that a little bit more than a I would someone who's doing it older because you generally players will continue to improve and that is something that has led at times the combination of players who are young and also seem to have a lot of upside again because I'm about winning championships I'm about having all NBA players winning at the highest levels I will value that high upside even if there isn't as much of a chance of it for example you know that's something that got us in trouble with Dennis Smith who's probably our biggest miss on this list over the years I think that's really the only one that i would go back and look at it be like man we were just way off on this guy over the years i guess we'll go back and see if my memory is correct on that later um so yeah i I think that's uh and I, really and I will important. say our approach to risk is somewhat different. I'm a little bit more about certainty. This led to us having a long discussion about John Morant this year, which will be a shorter discussion about John Morant this year. Um, and it, it is just, you know, it's philosophical. And there are differences within front offices between front offices on this very point of okay, this guy has the, let's call it the physical tools to be this star, but he hasn't quite done it yet. And also that the passage of time doesn't help those players if they haven't done it. So they're, I'm not going to name any specific names right now, but if it's like, oh, they could do it. I mean, Dennis Smith is probably a good one and they didn't. Well, then that hurts you. But if you could and you did, then, then you move up more on my list than they do on yours. Yeah, and in a lot of years, I will, my list will be biased towards younger guys who are 19 and 20 because they still have so many roads that are open to them. And some of those guys, as it gets, they get to be 21, 22, it becomes apparent that those roads uh, aren't available to them anymore. And it hasn't, they haven't reached that upside, even though, you know, there's a subjectively a 20% chance that they're going to get there. Then they move off the list. But that's why you might see more young guys. But uh, with this draft, that just happened kind of lacking in star power that's not as much of a consideration this year wasn't as much of a consideration last year either because you just had two guys who who were obviously awesome and then you didn't really have anyone else so now uh, we're not totally discounting the idea of certainty the idea that hey if you've made it through the gauntlet to age 22 or 23 and you're a really really good player that obviously means something as well and we have to talk about back and forth uh, how to value the upside well, versus the certainty but if you've got upside and certainty you know i would i would rank you higher at you know for example luka Doncic this year compared to luka Doncic t- 
uh, two years ago when he was a rookie, he's now done it. He's delivered on that potential. You know that he's on that path. And so he becomes an even better prospect than he was two years ago. One other point to make, even though listeners of this show will know this already, is there is a big difference in terms of positional value. So forwards oh, yeah. forwards are scarce throughout the league. High-end offensive creators are scarce throughout the league. And theoretically, there aren't a ton of them right now. Elite defensive bigs are, are still valuable, though you can succeed defensively in a variety of ways, whether we're talking switching or dropping or various different things. But so it is surprising, considering my love of forward-sized players, that there aren't a ton of them on my list. But that speaks more to the uncertainty with those players. And also, that speaks to it sometimes takes them a little while. And I think that can be a transition into the players who graduated. So going off of my... Well, well, one other thing I want to talk sure. about uh, but before we, we, we hit on that. It, you mentioned position. Also, just to, when we're talking about upside is just how is this guy going to play at the very highest levels, right? Yes. Like that would come up with someone like say Trey Young where he's been awesome in the regular season but you know you kind of think about it hey if this guy gets into a conference finals like is his size are his defensive shortcomings can he really get to that championship level and then also we do this in terms of tiers and as we do it for top 10 players in the NBA and so many other things so if a guy is in the same tier that means we feel like there's a very good argument that he could be ahead of the other guys in the tier even if we rank someone else higher uh if he's in the uh, the tier below then we feel like hey no he's in a, a different kind of class so if you're gonna come at me because one one guy's two and one guy's three and they're in the same tier you know I think it's very close I don't think that's fair if you want to come at me because your guy is a tier below a guy you think is inferior absolutely have at it let's go okay let's Let's quickly do the graduations. I'm just going off of my list from December of 2019. Tier 2, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown. Tier 3, Ben Simmons. Miles Turner wasn't in the top 10, but was in that tier. And that's it. But those are, you know, those are a lot of wig-sized guys <laughs> or guys that have, have those different different things. And yeah, sure, it'd be fun to include Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell and some of these, but they are at a different stage of their career. I mean, also you can think about where they are in their contracts and everything else. So instead, we will not talk about those players and move on to our current list. And while it would be fun to do this as a countdown, it makes complete sense to do it starting at the top because that's what gives you the context context for everything else absolutely and the other thing that we're going to do as well is to give you we'll give you what a player has ranked over the years and we will also give a development grade for each player in our top 10 of how they've done developing on a scale of one to ten compared to expectations over the past year and i would be very surprised if you have it any other way here danny tier one is one man and that is 21 year old luka Doncic. Yeah, and worth remembering, we did this in December of 2019 when we had these early indications that Luca was going to be really good, but he finished last season as arguably the best offensive player in the regular season. It was between him and James Harden, worth noting that Steph Curry was hurt. But still, it was it, he was in that conversation, and while this has been a less effective year for the Mavericks, this came up in our recent 15 and 60, Luca has been great again. His overall numbers in terms of individual scoring and his effect on team offense are still absolutely incredible. And I would say Luca has made some material strides defensively, which while they don't make him a massively like better player, they're not a game changer for him. Luca having positional size means that that improvement defensively makes a huge difference because it'll mean that he is attackless. 
Yeah, and also what we've seen is Luka Doncic in the playoffs. Yes. For the first time, Luka Doncic uh, against uh, some pretty good players, maybe not playing at the absolute highest level uh, with the Clippers, but Doncic, despite some clutch foibles last year, delivered in the playoffs, uh, had that ridiculous game four when he had enough firepower next to him including Kristaps Porzingis they played the Clippers pretty evenly and you mentioned the defense and while I don't think he's going to be a positive prospect there he didn't get completely destroyed defensively when they tried to go after him it didn't really work like he's got pretty decent size his feet are good I think he's gotten even better when teams have tried to attack him this season that largely hasn't worked I know the Mavs defense is worse but I don't put that on him necessarily so we saw enough to believe that Luka is going to be able to make it happen in the playoffs that was a concern that I had that he might just be too slow that he's going to get attacked defensively that against the best defenders that he wouldn't be able to create separation that's not really the case either you know he's really able to get pretty decent looks in an ISO he's still you know the one thing if you had to look at with his development is that the three-point shot still hasn't come along his free throw shooting hasn't really been that great either and so you're see let me update what he's shooting from the line this year 77 percent on 8.5 per 36 minutes I had it in mind all right that's actually that's actually a little bit better than it has been he was in the low 70s before yeah uh, and, and we'll see I mean if, if that step back to his left becomes a 35 36 percent proposition then it's all over right like if he can hit that shot the way james harden was able to hit it which that's a tall ass not, not many people can do that um so luca last year was number one and he was also in his own tier yep. at number one two years ago he was number three and let's not forget last year he took one of the greatest leaps that we've seen right like he he was so 2018 as a rookie i had a number three at the top of tier two and but carl anthony towns and nicole Jokic, who were both 23 uh were above him in the next year and they were already all-stars at that point and luca i mean you changed up and wanted him to be your most improved last year even though you normally don't give it to second year players because of the crazy leap that he took so that's puts it in perspective he was number three and then he's been number one and just i mean there's no but you can't make a reasonable argument for anyone else you can't and luca has been you know he was in the mvp conversation last year on our fake ballots and that is a level that very you know like that's a best case scenario for most guys and that is his already his present and luca could absolutely continue to improve is this his age 21 season i would expect that luca will have a similar spot next year i hope that somebody joins him that would be awesome if somebody joins him in tier one but this is a a thorough a thorough domination for a for a couple reasons that i think will become apparent when i get into like when we get into tier two on why you know what there are a lot of players there that we really like they haven't proven it and there's no guarantee they're going to well i think really not only is luka Doncic clearly number one right now but i mean last year the last season even this season at at 21 but last season was probably the best regular season ever for a 20 year old i think in fact i think the statistically that is very very clear i mean now there are not that many players who were really come into their own at, at age 20 you know second year lebron and magic are probably really your only other two competitors there and obviously you know going back years and years ago 20 year olds just weren't in the nba and and even at 21 this year you know the mavs offense is still just as good when he's out there and that's with nobody being able to hit a three-pointer and with a bunch of their team, team dealing with injuries and COVID. like yeah. th- this has no, not been yeah this has not been a he didn't come in, in the best shape right like, th- yeah. that's what one knock you know that he can't if you're looking towards his long-term future 
that he, you know, it seemed like he had really turned the corner. That's why he got so much better last year. And, you know, to, to see that, you know, if he's going to kind of be one of these guys like in and out of the best body composition over the course of his career or, uh, you know, he, he doesn't really get injured that much. Like he'll pick up little nicks, but he, he doesn't miss a lot of games, which is good. Uh, but I mean, obviously you're splitting hairs here. I mean, if you're even now at age 21, I mean, I think MJ was already in the league at 21. You know, Kobe, his, I think it wasn't until his fourth year that they actually uh, won the championship. Uh, the, you know, he was playing at an all-star level, but he wasn't, you know, a top five player in the NBA. Even probably that first championship year, he, he wasn't. LeBron, you know, you would have to say would be ahead of him. Although Luka is probably producing as much or more than LeBron did, uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight and what LeBron became and his his athletic even his crazy athleticism at the time he probably would have had to put lebron ahead of luca even not knowing how his career turned out you know magic uh, would be up there as well you know for guys since since the merger I and there's probably really nobody else among guys who are actually in the nba at 20 or 21 who have been like quite at the level uh, that he's at and for development score the yeah, way that Sha- Shaq might have been in the nba at 21 yeah. i can't remember well, well, uh, but he, he obviously would be in in that conversation too uh let's Let's talk a little bit about development scores. So the way that I think about this, and this is in some ways really challenging because of the bubble, I think of it as development since we last did the rankings. So it is not... Yes how you've done since last season. And like a lot of these guys had some big bursts in the bubble and then have been maybe disappointed, you could say, by certain expectations this season. That's not what this is. This is since the last time we did this. And so for Luca, I gave him a six. I mean, a lot of it was, that's not bad. I mean, when you were, when you, and remember, this is out of 10 and I grade this honestly. So a five is average. This is not, you're going to get everybody's seven, eights and nines. It is It is not that kind of grading. His defensive improvement is material. And I mean, Luca, it's, it's look, it's, it's more like showing that what he did then was sustainable. So I he he was my most improved player last year, but I had seen a lot of that in the first two months. All right, well let's get into tier two now. And oh boy. Yeah, this was this was difficult ranking certainly within this tier. Um, although I will say that like overall, I probably found this year's rankings in an overall sense to be the easiest we've ever done. I it's become a trope that oh man, this is so hard. I agonized. So I actually didn't have to agonize that much, but this this tier is probably where I did the most, and I do still have Zion Williamson number two as I did a season ago. Uh, or actually, was he? What was he last year for me? Yeah, okay, he was number two. I just had a typo. Um, and I had him in his own tier last year. This year, I do have three other players actually joining him. Uh, but Zion, age twenty, and I think he might have actually been lower in this tier, although still in it. Certainly at the start of the season, he might not have even been in this tier, but he stayed healthy. He slimmed down. And then what he's been doing as a ball handler these last three, four weeks or so, becoming the offensive player that I think we believe that he could be coming out, that's where I really, that's why I moved him back up again. His passing has really improved as well. And and the defense is, I, I think it's going to be at the point where it's never, I don't see him being a defensive plus. I think we can probably punt on that for now. But I also think he's made some strides. I think he's starting to understand how to play better defensively. He's in better shape. Like I think with the right pieces around him, I think he can at least not kill you. Yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of room for Zion to grow defensively. And um, I'll, I'll just lay out a 
little bit about kind of where this is going for me, and then we can get into some of the nitty gritty when Zion is a good place to start with that. As a process standpoint, the way that I started this, because sometimes people are interested in that, I actually ranked, other than Luca, who I knew was tier one by himself, I did all of the, I used the term primary ball handlers, whether they're six foot two or six foot six. I ranked all of them separately and then basically, and then basically kind of filled in everybody else, which did lead to some real challenges. And the other thing is my tier two is bigger than yours. My tier two is six players. It goes all the way to number seven. And yeah, I feel better about some of the guys on the list than others, but the whole point of tiers is that you can make a credible argument. And I felt that you could. And for Zion, he was, as you said, he was a lot, a lot lower on my list at various points during this season. But the game changer for me, uh, I, the idea of kind of, I use it a lot for point cards, but the idea is basically the him alone test. So can this player, if you plop him on a team with reasonable surrounding talent, can you get a you know good, really good elite offense? And I am more confident now than I was before. They're not 100%, obviously, that Zion can be the best player on a great offense. He's not doing it in the same way as Luka is doing it. He's not doing it in the same way as, let's say, LaMelo Ball, who we'll get to at some point in the future is, but hyper-efficient as an individual scorer and becoming so much more dynamic as a playmaker. So where did you have Zion? I have him third, um, but it's honestly my, so my two through four, which I'm guessing might be your, uh, you did them as a separate tier. They're all so insanely close. I have moved them around three times today. You talked about how you didn't struggle. I did, but not in terms of tiers. I struggled within tiers because I know people care about that, even though I try not to stress about it because that's our whole MO. It's, it is, it does still matter a little bit to me. And so the reason why I, I have Zion three and the guy I have number two is Trey Young is because while I think Zion will be, already is, a better defensive player, it is, as a practical consideration, harder to build a great defense with a, let's say, a below average big. And Zion is a big in the sense that he doesn't shoot a ton of threes, though maybe that'll come in the future. I don't think it will, but maybe it will. But, you know, in terms of who you want him to defend, and he has become better as a one-on-one defender, and a lot of this stuff is is getting there. But the idea of basically, okay, so if you're trying to build a good defense, and let's say even the dream of an elite defense, with Zion on your team, while also maintaining the offensive spacing necessary to maximize him. And maybe that's changing with the ball handler stuff. You're asking for a lot. Now, those players do exist, the rim protecting floor spacing, and there will be more as the league, as, as the, the development continues. But that's harder. Like, Trey Young is way worse defensively, and is he's going to be attacked, and you value the playoffs in this more than I do. Um, I've, for me, it's more of a tiebreaker than anything else. So I I think that it, Trey is worse, but it's also, I think, easier to get away from that. Though, I mean, you and I did the Portland-Phoenix game yesterday, and we saw some of the limitations there of having a guard that the other team can attack. Yeah, you know, I think Trey was in this tier for me as well. He was number four. As I, as I mentioned, I have a two through five in my tier two. And it, as I said, I think that you can make very good arguments for any of these. To me, what Zion does just at the highest levels is just harder to stop than what Trey does. It's closer to the basket. If you just don't have someone who can match him physically, you just have to double team. Whereas Trey, I'm concerned a little bit that his trademark floater game has kind of fallen off this year. He's shooting 47% from two. He's been more reliant than ever on the foul. He's also not getting up as many three-pointers, although he is shooting him at a 38% clip, which is great. His 
playmaking game has been fantastic the Hawks offensive performance is you know playing at a really high level when he's on the floor and obviously they're terrible when he's off uh, but that's not his fault so certainly I think it, the ability of Trey Young to drive offense on, on a team that doesn't really have other great offensive threats you know, like well, John Collins is probably yeah go ahead one especially because they haven't had those guys on the floor like Bogdanovich right. would have been a nice fit we could have seen another complimentary ball handler Herder's done some but they've also separated those guys at times it's just depending on who yeah. same appears. with Gallo who's yeah. been in and out and, who, and you know John Collins if you had to say you know rank all of the number twos in the league like he's probably below average as a number two guy so yeah I, I think like what he's doing is awesome you know I still think that while he has gotten better defensively and the Hawks overall have been fine defensively with him out there with some other pieces around him you know, we haven't seen him do it yet in the playoffs and, and I do think particularly we've seen a lot of these guys who are reliant on the bullshit foul drawing struggle in the playoffs and he has become ever more reliant on that so so that's uh, my one concern now let's get back to Zion here what would you give him for a development grade I guess basically you just have to go on last year's preseason because he hadn't played actually at this point in time when we did the the list last year yeah I gave Zion a seven and a lot of that is the last couple weeks where he's shown some so much more with the ball in his hands defensively some real steps forward you know I would give him probably a little bit above average there though I was disappointed and actually you know he was below expectations for me last year after we did the rankings so I you know counted that a little bit but offensively we've seen some depth to his game and he was truly I mean as a as a as an individual offensive force he's been he's been incredible so I, I think a seven is fair yeah and I would do the same for Trey who I had to to be clear number four in this tier and I think that's a, another theme or part of why this was easy was I think just so many of these guys are just on schedule they're doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing well you know we haven't we and if anything some of the guys who are a little bit lower than they had been in the past which there's not many of those because a lot of these people are just filling in spots from people who graduated and nobody's really getting bumped down because there's only one guy who's in top 10 consideration from this year's draft so there's kind of more room for everyone to move up anyway but I mean among players who we really seriously considered there's really nobody that you're looking at as like a huge disappointment right now you might have maybe john isaac will be that for you because you were higher on him and, and he obviously has had these injury issues um but let's get to my number three now and that is a 21 year old john morant i also had him number three last year he and interestingly i i also had trey young number four last year so my one through four is the same order although the tiers have moved around a little bit i had ja in the a tier three with trey young a, a, a year ago where did you have john morant any this year I yes. have I have John Morant fourth. Um, he is I mean Trey Zion and Jaw. That was the hardest split to make. I, I as I said I changed it a couple times. And with Morant, we did get a lot more evidence. Remember this was pretty early in his rookie year, though he was healthier of course than Zion. And I'm not a hundred percent sure. Morant will pass the him alone test offensively, but the evidence is getting, it looks like he's going that way. Like he hasn't done it yet, but 21 year olds with his physical tools, with what he has done so far, almost like they overwhelmingly get there. Like that, that is what I fully expect to happen. And with Morant, he's so uh, I, you know, one of the synergy stats that I like both Trey and John, this will come up with another guy, you know, about 1.1 points per possession on pick and roll plays, including passes, which I think it's useful to include that as well, even though that incorporates how well your team shoots. But still, I think that's fair. And Ja, I mean, one concern for me, I don't think this is totally dispositive, but only 21% on 
3.9 threes per 36 minutes like that is just that's yeah. not that's not quite the level now he has well, been and worth noting too when we did this last year he actually had a really hot start to the year on low attempts so he was probably around 40 percent when we did this last year and really since then in in the bubble when they were fighting for their lives and playing a pretty high level and then the, that play in came where he was awesome by the way in that playing game uh you know i, I think you're probably gonna have to at least right now like that three-point shooting isn't good enough like i i had higher hopes for what he was going to be as a three-point shooter so that's that's something that could torpedo him i, th- I think we need to acknowledge that for sure as right started and do. and while morant is significantly more physically gifted than trey young and i think that in time for a variety of reasons he will be a better defender we're not seeing that you know that real deep let's defensive playmaking if we want to put it that way we're not seeing a ton of you know just just getting after it. and i don't i mean shot ja has a ton to do on offense i'm not going to lampoon him for that but there isn't a like i think that there will be a value difference between those players on that end and there is probably is one now it's just not as dramatic and so for ja like i was he has moved up a lot on my list he was ninth last year for me and it was just um, the whole idea of i want him to prove it he proved it he's fourth and it I, I think that if i felt more confident in morant's ability to hit jump shots and you know he could threaten the defense so many other ways and I, i've been very impressed consistently by his passing and the grizzlies having a successful offense when jaw has been on the floor when you consider some limited defensive personnel whether we're talking shooting in certain lineups or shot creation uh, li- and, limited offensive personnel you mean? yes that's what i mean yeah yeah he's he's uh he, he's doing his best to uh do a in the wild example of your or him alone test or, or right. at least the, the grizzlies team building has done that although obviously they've had many an injury exactly in and and so that's why i think john Morant will you know like he will get there i would say he's not quite there yet i mean they have a 115 clean the glass offensive rating when he's on the floor but we are still small sa- uh, smallish sample I, I, size i mean that's bigger. that is it's impressive insanely good yeah uh, because and the Grizz, maybe their, their shooting isn't as bad, probably, as people think. You know, some of their guys have taken a little bit of steps forward. But, I mean, their second-best offensive player is, what, Jonas Valanciunas, <laughs> right? Like, their second-best guy off the dribble is Dylan Brooks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to get to that point, and, yeah, their defense has started to fall off, I don't put that on him necessarily. I think, But I also don't fine, put their success on him, you know, the, what they did earlier yeah, in the season. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But, again, you know, point guard, your role is more to is more offense than defense. But I do. I am sympathetic to the idea and there's some other players who have frankly you know pretty similar age range who have just produced a lot more at a higher level part of this still is just based on the upside like the vision the handle the athleticism um now you can also make the argument as you could with zion that you know what is john morant's game gonna look like at age 29 or 30 if if we're really talking about you know championship equity over the course of an entire career but so this is still kind of an upside pick i mean it's really you know i think the shooting will come around to be adequate in time um although you know the the odds of him being a good shooter which i thought were actually going to be possible coming out of college um yeah, you know, and that, worth that's... noting, Morant, 79% from the line this year, 8.7, or sorry, I should use per 36, 6.5 per 36, which is uh, middle of the road for the uh, for the lead guards that I had on my list. Yeah, and he's he's got to get better at kind of the BS 
foul drawing game a, a little bit well too. especially so, considering so this is, how scary yeah. his falls are yeah yeah this is so this is a you know and he had the ankle injury too i think that that maybe is part of that he came back from that much more quickly than expected um but he's had some as you mentioned like he's got this airborne somewhat derrick rose kind of style and and maybe that could lead to more injury risk more wear and tear for him but overall as you're projecting out here i mean that's really why i still have him number three and above trey i just think he, he won't get attacked as badly defensively i think just as you get into a playoff setting like his quickness his handle is just it's a little bit harder to deal with um but you know if you can just go under on him for the rest of his career exactly uh or or switch him as well i mean it's it's really tough in this league unless you're have the size of zion williamson to beat a switch if you can't shoot a jump shot uh, you know if they can just back right off of you um you know zion yeah you back off of him and then he'll just go right down your throat and dunk it you know jot at six two and buck 80 doesn't really have that option so uh why don't you tell me who else was well, in no. this group for you then well if, i actually so, well list. so yeah. a couple things so development score for trey i went with a six for jaw okay. i went with a five they're fi- both fine you know like that they, they were on track yeah I, i'll give jaw a six i mean i, th- I think if you're uh, i mean i guess a five isn't you know you're not being mean to the guy necessarily <laughs> i mean it's the same ranking that he was last year so um but i'll give him a six just because i think he he's continued to play well and you know the well, offense has been good even even with some of the limitations and and he played well in, in the bubble uh as they were down up you know not quite a playoff environment but a uh a, a, and then in the playing game a, as well so yeah I, i'll give him a six but yeah thanks for dotting those eyes who else now is what in this so, so this is why i want to ask you first so i have three more guys in this tier and you only have one so i want to see well, which I, of those yeah. one which of those three you have as your one okay and this is a guy who to me has a very serious argument to be number two and i think a lot of people would be surprised that he isn't and that's jason tatum still age 22 and recall where he was last year he was only an honorable mention last year and you know he had kind of a disappointing second year with all the Kyrie drama and then he started off just shooting very poorly i think he was around you know 50 51 true shooting when we did this a year ago and then he started going completely crazy with those threes off the dribble you know, we didn't know that he had that in his game um he certainly provides the most defensive value of anyone on the in this tier he certainly plays the most important position hardest to fill you know the the big wing that is what really does it for you uh to win championships that's the best thing in the sport to build around uh but i also don't think that jason tatum by himself is the best player on a really good offense the way i would say about zion morant and trey young so it's really kind of more the flavor of, of what you're looking for tatum you know is just doesn't have a great first step doesn't have a great handle great quickness his iso numbers have always been really bad he's not an unbelievable passer from that position you know he's not a luca or a harden or a lebron type to where you're putting the ball in his hands every time and letting him go to work and set up his teammates and everything runs through him like he's not capable and I don't think will be capable of that sort of an offensive game certainly his ability to shoot the three off the pick and roll can be devastating um but he also, also I think uh, against more versatile defenses in the playoffs that that can be muted a little bit if you're forcing him to go one-on-one his finishing at the rim is you know it, it, like his floater game he's not trying get, to get not better getting at to that. the line enough that's that's one that's a concern for me yeah yeah I mean he just doesn't get on top of the of the basket he doesn't really dominate physically the way some of the other guys his size do um you well, know he's in 
he's yeah go ahead so undeniable he's he's like yeah sorry undeniable uh, undeniability is so important to me and jason tatum is one of the best players in the nba who i don't think of as undeniable like in certain matchups if he's facing an inferior opponent but he does so many other things well tatum is my five so that that makes sense that you you have him there so i have a couple other guys in this Well, well well quickly on him the argument to me to still have him second though is uh the position he the way he's produced in the playoffs on a really good team and then jason tatum may not be as good of a first banana as zion williamson and john morant and trey young but he is probably more likely to win a championship than those guys as the second best player potentially where he, he shoots the ball he's defends his position he can switch he's you know, a decent passer at this point he can do some stuff off the ball and so and he plays a, a premium position and so he and he doesn't really have like weaknesses that are potentially going to be exploited by teams the way zion jaw and trey do and so although he's not going to be the guy i think you know the best player in his championship team i don't think he can be that having a great second banana sometimes might give you more championship equity than having a guy like zion or or trey or jaw who are like you know the ninth best first banana in the league it's a really important point and something that i seriously considered and I do value certainty, you know, like that. And Tatum has a pretty established level. And I will say, I, I one thing I, I you know, because I do little write-ups for these, is I was thinking about like Bubble Tatum theoretically, if like that guy had just been who he was this season, I think he probably would he would have been second on my list. But I don't know if he would have been in a tier by himself. I don't think he would have reached Luca just because I don't think I'm not sure Bubble Tatum is in the MVP conversation. I don't remember as viscerally just where that overall level was. You know, Bubble Tatum meaning a shorthand yeah. for that crazy run right before the bubble and then in the bubble and Tatum yeah go ahead ahead. I was gonna say what should we give him as a development grade I gave him a seven um I think that that there was a moment in time and this will come up with somebody later on the list where I was a little bit more disappointed because Tatum hasn't been as consistently the guy that I hoped for but remember we're grading this from late December 2019 and Tatum has improved a lot since well yeah and that's uh, that's why I actually gave him a nine because I mean that he was kind of a disappointment last year and I mean just going from that snapshot and the year before he really hadn't shown that either I think he he had a ridiculous improvement well um i, I will know, note last I, year i had him number 11 i had him six so it's yeah and i had him five the year before so tatum is i've been a little bit but again some of that was the positional value and everything you know like it, it is a a challenging list to do for for many of those reasons but i can then jump into the other well, well one more thing on him sorry sure, of course uh you're never allowed to transition no way <laughs> i always have more to say apparently um tatum is actually going to spend five years on the this list which is a rarity uh he was eighth seventh sixth and then 11th in an honorable mention we consider honorable mention to be guys who are in the same tier as guys in the top 10 um so yeah this is a a big rise for him and again i like if you wanted to call him number two i would have no arguments at all but now finally danny who are your other two guys in this massive tier two that you have assembled and it's gonna be interesting because i'm not 100 percent sure though i'm reasonably confident that you will have these guys close to the spot on the list though i know obviously you don't have the same tier my number six is the only rookie on this list and that is Lamelo ball and Lamelo. so the way i was thinking about this was a lot of times descriptions of players with great building blocks that's about their ability to run fast and jump high and maybe their positional size and everything else like rudy gobert rudy gobert has great building blocks even though he's not the fastest dude in the world i might because of how much i love positional size 
I might like LaMelo Ball's building blocks more than these other young guards because it combines with his court vision. And I, you know, I have over the years, I have grown to appreciate how intrinsically tied those two things are. I think there's a reason why Magic and LeBron and those players are generally the best passers in the league. It's because they're taller and they can see over more things. And LaMelo Ball has, so he has the handle, he has the passing vision, and he has the mentality to be the best offensive player of the guys in this tier. He is not there yet, but also something that has given me so much, not faith or confidence, but assuage some of my fears with LaMelo is that some of the things that we were most scared about with him tentatively doesn't look like they're they're going to sink him. Now, we've been optimistic about guys and things have fallen off before, but LaMelo shooting 35% on six and a half threes per 36 minutes, that attempt rate, totally happy with that. That make rate, totally happy with that. And his defense, while not amazing, has he's been competitive and feisty and somewhat opportunistic. And that is good. You know, like, for example, he has the highest, he gambles more than a little bit, but LaMelo has the highest steal rate of any of those primary ball handlers that I put on the list. That's really nice. Get blocking some shots too. So I, you know, in some ways you could argue that LaMelo by having him in the same tier, he's kind of my John Morant last year for you, where I'm not saying that he's as good as those guys now, but if you were to tell me that three years from now, LaMelo Ball is the best player and or the best offensive player from this tier, it would not shock me in the least. So I had ball at seven and that was it in a two-person tier below this and i don't think he's i don't have him quite in the class of john trey because it's just a little bit harder for me to see i'm not saying it can't happen but it's a little harder for me to see Lamelo ball as just the main engine of an unbelievable offense right like he's you know 53 percent true shooting this year that's four points below the league average and he's a rookie he's i mean I completely agree with you, right? Like he, and I think it maybe it'll surprise people to hear me say this uh, because I apparently have a reputation that's like this huge Lamelo stand, and, and I was pushing him obviously at, at the draft much more than some of the other guys. A, a big part of that was maybe my lack of belief in some of the other guys. And you know, I absolutely love what he's been doing this year. He's uh, above expectations. I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I know with John Morant and Trey Young, you can put the ball in their hands at a pick and roll just about every time, and they're gonna lead you to efficient offensive outcomes and i don't know that about lamello ball yet you know he doesn't quite have those same building blocks as a pick and roll player to where you know it's really going to happen every time does he have is he able to draw fouls is he able to set up his man get splits you know just exercise every possible option off the dribble in pick and roll he's a fantastic passer he's fantastic finding the role man as a scorer that's probably the weakest part of his game right now you know the hornets have plenty of other offensive talent they only have a 109 offensive rating with him on the floor now part of that is because they have Trey Rozier and Devontae Graham and Gordon Hayward who are also on this team they haven't thrown the ball into his hands the way the Hawks did with Trey Young or the Grizz have done with John Moran. Well, and an important note there is also cleaning the glass changes that because that when when you exclude garbage time that jumps to 112.7 which is okay no that's better. uh that's reasonable uh, although he also his individual stats uh, have been good at times in yes, uh in garbage in, in garbage time but so and there is a you know maybe you wonder about it, his shooting you wonder about his ability to get to the foul line a little bit although he's getting better there i mean all these things are looking way better than we thought he's gonna have more defensive value i think almost certainly than jaw or trey but i i kind of just when i think about it man like lamel 
LaMelo Ball as the main offensive engine of a really good playoff team, like what does that look like? Well, I, see, I see. I think I think we're using that clear to me. I think we're using different. St- like for me, it's more about the regular season. That's part of why I have Trey Young higher than you do. And I think the argument for Trey is actually in some ways similar to to, to Lamelo. And here's the number that I think st- that sticks in my brain: Charlotte's transition frequency off of different types when Lamelo Ball is on the floor. 95th yeah. percentile in all transition frequency. 92nd percentile off of steals. 93rd percentile off of live rebounds. Now, they're not the most efficient in all of those, but I don't think that's entirely Lamelo's fault. But the way that he can make up some of the margin and the Hornets have played less in the half court is that he is an unbelievable transition passer. And just as was hyped as the case for his brother, who I had second in the draft, and I believe I made some mistakes there. Lamelo, we've seen it in the NBA already. We've seen the way that his teammates, who are in certain cases, especially if we're talking about the forwards, limited offensive players. I mean, Gordon Hayward accepted. I'm talking about more of the Miles Bridges of the world and the Cody Zellers of the world. That they get on their ass and run because they know Lamelo's going to find them. And I think that it is incredibly important to have that tone setter. And yes, it is true. I agree with what you're saying that I'm not super confident that LaMelo Ball will be the will be the bucket getter in a conference finals. Like, no, I'm not putting that. And if I felt confident in Trey Young or John Morant or some of these other guards that will come up to do that, I would have them in a different tier. I'm not confident about with that with any of them. And so that's why I couldn't leave LaMelo out of this tier is that while he is the least proven, I A, think he has the highest conceptual ceiling, but also his expected value to me is right around the same level. Yeah, I think part of it, maybe why I, I struggle to see it a little bit more with him. And again, like he's just he's just a little bit more, he's not as conventional. And that, that could be a good thing, that, that could be a bad thing. I, it's just a little bit harder for me to find the analog in terms of, of NBA history for what he's doing and that guy being the guy on a, a great offense without others around. Now, I think Lamelo, you can make the argument that he actually fits better, and we've seen it this year, that he fits better with others maybe than John Moran or Trey Young. But like in a Lamelo pick and roll, like is it going to get to the point where you're like, shit, we got to just trap this guy. We got to get the ball out of his hands, right? Like he's like Trey, you see that happening. Uh, you, you know, like Trey, if you look at the end of that Celtics game, uh, I think the first one that they played last week where Trey just every single possession, pick and roll, they couldn't stop it. He scores like 14 points in a row or, or sets up a bunch of points and and they end up winning that game pretty well. They, they tried to choke it away at the end, but they're up up by a lot you know that kind of a dominating performance at the end of a game or or in a playoff game and like what is what does Lamelo ball do to your defense where you have to play him in a different way than you would play a normal guy like maybe he's just such a good passer uh but as a score i'm not sure that he's going to get to the point where it's like all right we got to change up every single thing we're doing to account for this guy um so that's that's why i have another chair i'm very high on ball i think he's been fantastic i think that he can fit in with a, a group he's shown that this year you know he's been a good teammate like all those concerns i have no concerns about that i just you know trey and job just been so good you know i think that's you know if you're for example danny i think how would you compare i mean i guess jaw was a year older last year yeah but comparing like jaw's year last year to Lamelo's year this year i think there's no comparison i think jaw is way better last year than Lamelo is this year yeah, but I wondered if all of that, I, I think I wondered more if all of that was sustainable for John. It, it's interesting. I think I see some of the limitations with Morant that you see with Lamelo. Like it's, and this is something that happens when you watch more film and everything else. It's just, 
I I think that there are other paths, and it, it's not like he's he such has such a good handle that I think these avenues will get there. And the other part with Lamelo is we know one of the biggest jumps is between the first and second year, especially with the circuitous route he's taken to the NBA, and like now he knows facing. But these basketball savants, and for Lamelo, that's not in the same necessarily breath as like LeBron and some of these other guys. We see a lot of improvement, and so I don't know exactly what it's going to be with him, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to be with Luca either, and so. So I'm giving him some deference because I believe in him as a prospect. And I think that I, I, I think with LaMelo, there are a couple big things that could improve. One of them is actually his transition in scoring. I think that he can get a lot better there. And, you know, he's a great passer. We, we know all that already. And I think that there, there's some, there's some untapped fruit. I had another idea with this, but it's, it's, I agree with kind of it on the merits, but I think part of it is just that I don't, I don't believe in it as hard for Ja and for Trey, maybe as, as you do. And that's why he's in the same tier. It's not necessarily the strength of LaMelo. It's that I, I think I'm a little lower on the other two. Yeah, that's a, and I understand that, especially with LaMelo's size. Um, and if Jod's shooting doesn't get better, that's going to be a major concern for him as well. I think LaMelo is probably the best chance at longevity among those guys, either without really an injury history. He doesn't have, uh, you know, he's not small like Trey. Uh, and certainly guys at his size who can dribble and pass the way he can are very rare. And it's, it's no slush to put him at seven. However, does does that finish off that tier for you or is, or do you have nope, anyone else i have one more guy who i'm guessing is your six and who's that bam out of bio yep yeah good we're uh we're on the same page this year it seems like yeah bam now, now that you've finally come around uh, on john Morant, <gasps> finally come around because after two months i didn't think he was like the third best prospect in the league I, and i love john but um hey well this is this is a forward looking list my friend it is uh but but yeah so but bam and I think there is an argument. I think that he could be higher in, in a higher tier as well, which he is for you, right? Correct. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. the last guy in this tier. So mine runs from Trey at two to Bam at seven. Yeah, and I think again, Bam as your number one guy is not going to happen. You know, Tatum is a better score. Maybe that's why he deserves to be a little bit higher. He's also a year younger. Uh, but Bam, I mean, when you just look at the championship equity as the number two, and then also throw in the way he's improved his scoring this year. You know, as a regular season defensive player, I don't know how dominating he is, but I there just the scheme versatility that he provides, his ability to do anything on the floor, even if he could really improve his help instincts. Still, you know, I think that's an underrated weakness that he has. His his ability to dribble and pass i'd like to see him now because he's starting to score he needs to actually like set guys up off the dribble like when he's actually you know transitioned from a scoring opportunity to a passing opportunity as opposed to being kind of you know ben taylor talked about this with wilt chamberlain where it was like it's either score or pass but not both in a single possession and but all that said i mean it's particularly given what he's shown as a his improvement as a shooter and a one-on-one player this season after having a great bubble and helping to lead the heat to the finals uh you know i think you would have to give him a development grade uh since since last year probably about an uh an eight or so yeah i gave and, it, i gave uh, him an eight for the record yeah, yeah and and with bam he challenges some of my foundational elements because he doesn't firmly check a lot of boxes that i consider really important he's not i he doesn't pass the him alone test offensively if you put him on a team i'm not going to be super confident that they're going to be great and he doesn't on defense either i think that you know bam isn't in the defensive player of the year conversation for either of us the last time we did awards but he can easily be a part of a great offense and easily be a part of a great defense and Adebayo is he's not scalable because he on offense because he's a great shooter he's scalable because he's a big and because he's an intelligent passer and because 
because there are so many ways to use him well. Yeah. And yeah, he can be a, a, a devastating role man for exactly. Example. And Bam, part of why I had him in this tier, you you brought a little bit up their their run last year. He just, I mean, I haven't gone back. I didn't look at stats. I'm just thinking about you know we did basically all those games for the NBA cast. I think of Bam as being the Heat's best player during the Eastern Conference Final, and or at least the the player who vexed the Celtics the most. And yeah, it was a good matchup for him. Obviously. It was a good matchup for him, but like the Celtics were a very good team last year and they made the Easter Conference Finals. That doesn't automatically mean they're one of the four best teams. And Bam was awesome in that series. And the Lakers are a, you know, a specific challenge for him. And I've been very critical. Like, I think Bam's defense is somewhat overrated by the basketball yeah. media. And I, I, fans. I mean, he also like fucked up his shoulder and also, yeah, of course. Himself. Yeah. And so, but, but his defense is somewhat overrated by the entities because he's so, he's so dynamic as a switcher, but the idea that he's, you know, like he's your defensive rock as a center, you know, like you look at some of the opponent attempt and success rates around the basket, though uh, the Heat haven't really fouled much, which of course I love, but he's, he, in some ways he's center Tatum, where the idea is that he can fit in well in so many systems. And I actually love Bam's defensive versatility. Like Miami doesn't have, they, they, they don't always have the perfect personnel, but like you think about Bam in like a death lineup style approach, like, holy crap. Like he's, he's, well, he's maybe he's on the short list of the best bigs guarding smalls in the entire league and there are certain guys that uh, i mean he might be he's probably the best at, yeah, at this point i think draymond draymond has fallen off so i, yeah, I, I think and, he's who else is on that list yeah he, i think he's better if we're talking pure smalls i think he's better than davis um davis i like on wing size yeah. guys a little bit more um but yeah i mean so and and that's incredibly valuable if depending on what's what you want to do and miami has of course gone to that and he's intelligent he you know miami's run all these zone principles and bam has done a very good job as a part of that and offensively that like you, you, we talked about the idea of okay if you have another if you have another great player who does basically anything other than be a center I think they'll work with Bam out of bio. And that's fantastic. Like that is not remotely true of a lot of the other guys on this list. Um, but the reason that I have him lower than like Lamelo is probably the most controversial there because Lamelo's done so much less than Bam. He is also Lamelo is also four years younger, which matters. Is that Bam, you know, going back to Luca, who's the only guy in a tier above Bam, Luca has that MVP value in a regular season and bam's just not that guy and i'm not sure any of the rest of these are but that's why it's you know like why he's not in the same same it's like can he be the best player you know like is he going to be the best player on a great team in the regular season Eh, i mean he had a lot of good guys last year they have a great coach too and well he has been the best player on a team in the regular (laughs) season this year and it hasn't been has it gone super well um so I, I think, and I think Bam has room for improvement. We have seen the improvement already um, from him offensively this year. So I, he was the hardest guy for me to, to place, both in terms of within a tier and and w- like basically between tiers and then within a tier for all those reasons. Yeah. So I, I had him six last year. He was eighth, but was actually totally unranked uh, the year before that. I mean, when he remember he was still playing backup center uh, in his his second year, uh, and I would give him an eight for his uh, development grade since last year with the great playoffs that he had and then also uh, what he's been able to improve on this season as a scorer so that takes us through our top seven 
Okay, picking back up here, we just finished up uh, our your tier two and my tier three. We both had Bam Adebayo and LaMelo Ball six and seven in some order. So let's get to a tier four now, Danny. Yeah, or not, three and, in your case. And, and not only that, we have the same seven players in different orders in different tiers. So that means it's kind of open season from here. And I had a challenge at this point. I think this was the, for me, the most closely kind of matched group where, you know, I didn't have super strong opinions about it. That's often what a tier is supposed to be. But, you know, sometimes you have favorites within them. And there are a couple of different reasons for that. I, I kind of, I don't always label tiers, but I labeled this one could get there, but less certain. Whereas, you know, players who in the early, in the early tiers you're talking about, maybe they have MVP upside and maybe a more, you know, all NBA would be great and all that. And then these players, for me, there's certainly a sound basis behind them being a very good player in various different ways on a competitive team. But I'm less certain that it's actually going to happen, which is why they're a little bit lower than the others. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we say things like very good, that's uh, that's something that's uh, open to interpretation. Uh, for me, this tier four went from eight to 11. And these are all players who I think, uh, and I thought there was a very, very clear delineation below 11 going into the next tier. And so I have four players in this, and this is one where you're really splitting hairs between them even more so maybe than in the, the higher tiers, which is usually the case as you get lower, it, it's harder to differentiate. Uh, okay, that's um, interesting. So yeah. I have I have five guys in this tier. So we should maybe we just rattle through them first and then we go player by player. Yeah, no, that sounds good. So the way I think of these guys, these are all players who to me have played at an all-star or near all-star level already and are a little bit more established than some of the guys above them so i don't necessarily see them as having maybe quite the upside uh, of some of these other players uh, but the four guys that i have all western conference players uh, jamal murray age 23 shea gilgis alexander age 22 De'Aaron fox age 23 and brandon ingram age 23 so i had all four i had all four of those guys and that in the you said their ages correctly. I'm happy in some ways that the one guy I had that you didn't because we both love him. It's a very different role, but I actually have him eight. So I have him at the top of this tier is OG Ananobi. And yeah, and I just don't, for me, I think he's really, that sort of player is really important at the, at the highest levels to be sure. But also having one of those guys doesn't necessarily transform your defense in the regular season. And an offense is a guy. So but he's uh, a, but he's an efficient version of a guy. I, I think that's an, yeah. it's it's a key distinction to make, and I think that's a part of why I was more confident in Oji. Also, he has theoretically. I mean, we've seen a little bit more on ball game with him. I don't think that's going to be a true strength, but you know, maybe the getting a little bit more into the two dribbles and a good decision type of a realm. And why I had OG first is, I mean, going back to early in this podcast, we talked about the a couple of theoret like important caveat like strengths and considerations. And for me. OG Ananobi is that dividing line for a lot of those. So one key one is positional scarcity. I mean, OG Ananobi, a forward who can defend wing-sized players. There are not that many of those guys in the league. And also, he has a very a logically complementary skill set. He's become an effective player, not high usage. Obviously, he's below 20%. He's at 17 so far this year for the Toronto Raptors. But you could plug him in on a lot of teams and it would work. And when we're getting into this tier, where it's players who 
I'm not sure they can be the engine for a great offense. A lot of them fit very well as complementary players within a great offense. Then to me, the idea of a wing slower downer, I won't say a wing stopper because I don't think anybody is that right now. That player, while being efficient at offense, on many teams, not every team, I would actually prefer to have them. So that's how I how I justified it in my, to myself. Yeah, and believe me, I I don't discount Ananobi. I think I'm higher on him uh, than most everyone except for you, uh, apparently. Uh, but OG Ananobi is never going to be an all-star in consideration in his career. Maybe there's a chance that, you know, we've seen guys with this body type like a Butler or Kawhi start to take steps forward. But I, I don't think he has the level of offensive feel of those guys. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I mean, they, you'll see flashes from him every once in a while, and the Raptors are a great developmental team. So, maybe, But it doesn't sound like, you are taking this ranking based on him really improving a ton from here other than just kind of incrementally in the things that he's already doing is, is that fair to I, say i mean i'm accounting for it as a small possibility but not something that i expect to happen i mean that you know you consider upside downside expected value and i think og's expected value is is higher than a lot of the other players in this list but it's really more kind of a matter of trust in that if i you know if i were more confident that De'Aaron fox could be the initiator on a top 10 offense then i would have De'Aaron fox over og and anobi i'd probably have fox and in a higher aren't the kings a top 10 offense right now basically well it's it's complicated in terms of the overall the overall structure of their team also i think that we're not at a full season and all that but so it's a like so i'm i'm a, I, I i see your point but i also think that there is a lot of value in what og and anobi does and because if you have him there are other ways to get that creator and if we're talking about a 15th to 25th best offensive player on a team that is still incredibly valuable, but it is also, I would say, in some ways, more replaceable than what OG does. You could argue that it's more valuable, even replaceability and value aren't the same. This isn't quite a water diamond situation, but it is, I, I think it's significant. So uh, another reason I'd push back on that, and, and I had OG in my next group uh, up towards the, the top of that, you know, for example, like compared to say Michael Porter Jr., I would say I would have OG above Michael Porter Jr. Uh, but these guys that we're talking about, number one, you know, at only 23, I don't, OG to me, he can get incrementally better at all, all the things that he does now. I don't know that there's a feeling that he's going to really expand his skill set. Whereas Fox, Ingram, Gilgis Alexander, who is at a meteoric level improvement so far in his career, uh, and Jamal Murray, those are guys who can uh, realistically take more steps forward, be get even better at what they're doing. They're already playing at near all-star or all-star levels. And I mean, if you just look at the playoffs that Jamal Murray had last year, like OG Ananobi is never going to have a playoffs like that. And I don't expect Jamal Murray to be able to repeat that necessarily. And he is inconsistent and, and that's a, a concern. But it's just like OG's never going to make an all-star team. These guys are like when you're talking about lower grade initiators who aren't all-star level, then yeah, I think those guys start to get overrated. Well, I see, see here's like an interesting difference. I think you have more confidence that these guys are going to get to that level. I also, I think they all could. But to say that all, you know, like that you're sh super confident that all of those initiators are going to make an all-star team. I mean, Mike Conley has never made an all-star team. And there are, there are a lot of great guards. Also, all-star team's a weird thing because it depends on which conference you're in. Everything yeah, else, sure. but like, 
but but I, it, you know, it's the to me, it's the idea of will versus could, and I, I'm maybe I'm just less confident in that than you are. Yeah, I mean, Jamal Murray was the second best player on a conference finals team just last year. Yeah, but then he's been yeah, and, he's been and, significantly worse. But here's okay, Jamal. Do you want to get into Jamal Murray now? Because he's, I think, the yeah, most I, interesting. Yeah, sure, we, sure we can. Yeah. So Jamal Murray is has has you know had these phenomenal moments he is also the most inconsistent player on this list from one to in my case 12 or you know years to 11 but what i have trouble reconciling is and and i'm not saying this in a like this makes him bad or anything silly like that is that in terms of evaluating him as an offensive player jamal murray has in many ways had the most favorable ecosystem because he doesn't even have to be the best player best offensive player in his own team Nikola jokic was uh, you know as of the last time we did awards arguably the best offensive player in the entire league and if you want to use this year as an example in this year's extreme last year the nuggets were better in these minutes the nuggets offense has been straight up terrible when murray has been on the floor and Jokic is not so the idea that oh if you put Jamal if you swap let's say Jamal Murray and De'Aaron Fox or Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander that he would be able to do that entirely possible that he could and those players in some ways benefit from you know like they, they each have different sets of experience but part of the reason Murray was able to do that it what I mean he is an incandescent talent at his best but that is a material advantage that is hard to discount or it's hard to I mean I get discounts it's, it's hard to you have to acknowledge it yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it. like his performance with like the Nuggets shitty bench units uh, this year. I'm going to put too much stock on that. And, I mean, and they, he doesn't like you don't have to be the abs- the best guy uh, on an offense necessarily. Like he plays very well with a, a second banana and you know, he's uh, the second best player on a second round team and then the second best player on a uh, conference finals team. And like OG is just never going to be that. And uh, yeah, so not you can get into now is the third great third banana better than the solid second banana you know that that's a little bit of a question but yeah i mean i i think all of the guys that i mentioned compared to og like i think each of them have at least a 50 percent chance of better at making at least one all-star team or at least you know being picked for an all-star team or being one of the top 25 players in the nba and yeah it's just it, this it's hard to be that type of player if you know your usage rate isn't 20 percent as a perimeter guy um and and that, that's just someone again i think og and it'll be is the best isolation defender in the nba he also doesn't do like that much of the help defender either like if he were if he could i I think he could i think he could later on i mean the the physical tools i mean it's interesting to compare like i think he can get better in those circumstances and also like i i think it's interesting that you're like you talked about the potential for brandon ingram to grow offensively and yet and and that think that that's larger than og and Nobi. yes ingram was chosen as the most improved player he was i believe number two on my fake ballot last year but if i were to guess you know which player's offensive role can 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 evolve the most from here my bet would be on og just because ingram he can get better at what he does but i it would surprise me and i've been wrong before like last year i i don't expect that like it's it's an interesting question because guys don't guys for in, in an ob spot don't usually do this path but i think it's a path that is somewhat open well, and obviously, I mean, these are all players now who have either gotten extensions or are in that mix. And Jamal Murray got a max contract. Aaron Fox got a max contract. Brandon Ingram got a max contract. Shea Gilders Alexander is going to be a no-brainer max contract this offseason. And OG Ananobi got seventy-two million. Yeah. So, I, like, the, it, clearly, you're, you're in a minority opinion, which, which you know, I don't need to point that out to you, but for for listeners, uh, so. 
I see where you're coming from, but I, I can't put him in this this same group. Do you want to talk a, a little bit more? Well, no. Yeah, let's so, let's do let's yeah. do the three the three guards here because you and you and I had yeah. the same three. And I honestly, you know, I'm sure we 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 cautioned this at the beginning. They're all in the same tier. I moved them around a lot. Uh. I so I'll I'll just start with this. I ended up with Shea Gildas Alexander as my number one of that group of of the three. Yeah, guys. I understand that. I, I definitely understand that. Um, the way that he's played this year and and the way that he's improved in his career and he's got more size than these guys uh, as well. Uh, his defense is a major problem right now. You'd hope that that could get better, but he is. Uh, it, I mean, he's shooting like forty percent on threes on basically like all off the dribble attempts right now. And I know you just did a big work up uh, on him for the 15 and 60 but yeah i mean i really agonized about it i got no problem with shea being the highest out of that group i had murray just above him just because of what that that playoffs was last year and if he has a terrible playoffs this year then you know maybe i won't put as much weight on that yeah and for for shea just to to walk through kind of the the theory behind it is that his his game you know you and i have espoused the value of pick and roll play for a long time i think that he has the most developed nuanced version there it helps that he's played a played a lot this year with a floor spacing big and it's also worth noting that shea has a really small sample size as this guy remember last year the pecking order was dramatically different in oklahoma city and shea was efficient in his role but his role was dramatically different whereas jamal murray and De'Aaron fox have done it for longer and so there is a distinct chance if not a probability that some of the efficiency numbers for shea are going to tone down just because that's the way this happens but i think that partially you know the height helps i think that he i think that he is the most capable operator in those situations i talked at length in the 1560 about his combination of patience and aggression which is unusual and i think will help him immensely in the future with various different teammates because knowing when to attack knowing when not to and he has enough new enough skill level in different parts that okay you want to try to prevent him from driving he's been immense like so successful as a driver this year pull-up game is very good good passer and i'm worried about the defense with him too and that uh, i mean that's a part of why and and the fact that it's a small sample and everything else of why he's not a tier above or anything else i mean he's played you could argue he's played at that level so far this year but to me that puts him here and with shay's defense it's interesting because i I agree that it, I mean, last year's series against Houston was a real warning light there. I mean, we, we wondered how, how he was going to be defensively and he did not hold up, but players often get physically stronger. They, you know, the learning, the toils of the NBA, he's had a kind of a weird NBA career in terms of that changing teams a couple of times already, but are changing teams once, but changing roles a couple of times. But I think that he can't like, if I were to, to pick like, who's going to be the best defense, I, I think he's good enough eventually that he's not going to kill you. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, and I think he can get better uh, at some point. He does have the, the physical tools to not be as much of a one-on-one turnstile as he was last year against Houston. Fox and Ingram. Fox, I we haven't seen him in a playoff setting yet. I do think that he doesn't have as much versatility to his game. I don't really trust him to create in an isolation against a switch. There's still the possibility of going under on him. He's very reliant on the fast break. His three-point shooting which was up last year is now down again and and, you know it seems like he's on track to kind of just be more of an up and down guy from three you know kind of more of a John Wall type of three-point shooter throughout his career Uh, and Ingram you just have doubts about his ability to really drive winning basketball for example like one of the stats that kind of bothers me is is that he's taken 40 more contested two-point jumpers than anyone else in the league so far this year and he, he had 
43%, which is solid, but it's not unbelievable there. And, you know, he doesn't, it, the defense still is like pretty mediocre despite the physical tools, but he's also a, a wing who can really score and, uh, he at least has consolidated his games this season, if not built on them after that crazy shooting improvement. Well, and what's interesting about Ingram, I went through the, like, I felt a little bit more comfortable with him in this tier after going through some of the synergy stuff. Obviously, we're dealing with a small sample size here, but he's been over a point per possession in pick and roll this year, whether we're talking about him as a scorer or him as a scorer plus passer. And that's really good. You know, like, and it's over, you know, we're at almost 400 of those already this season. You know, the spot up game was a shot was a revelation last year and that has largely continued so part of why Ingram is the other reason why he's in this group for me is I didn't think he was going to be the type of player that could step into a small role and I still don't think that's what he wants but offensively shoots well enough can be an kind of an opportunistic player now and I wish he was a better defender if Brendan Ingram was a better defender he could be way higher on this list but that's just it doesn't seem like that's who he is got his block rate's gone up a little bit this year but not I don't feel I when I watch the Pelicans I don't, I'm not like oh my god look at Brandon Ingram out there at, at least at this point so I it's interesting with Ingram and Murray because in some ways I think of them similarly which is like I don't necessarily think either one of them will be the guy on a truly great team but I also think both of them pair well with somebody else who is well i guess we're gonna find out uh with ingram and zion quick aside here for a question is brandon ingram or jason tatum a better offensive player i'd want to think about it more but my my off i mean it's close i mean it's it's a it's a definitely a fair question neither one of them is super great at getting to the line and for Tatum, he established this level so much faster, but I'm going to go with Tatum partially because the growth that he's shown as a passer. I think that there is, yeah. it, that that there is, Ingram is, is maybe better at the things he does, but if I'm putting that into a team ecosystem, I think that I, I think I'd probably rather have Tatum. But again, that's, that's why it would be, if Ingram was as good as Jason Tatum defensively, he'd be in that tier. Well, and Tatum just takes more threes. He's just more of a threat uh, yeah. from three. He, he uh, so th- that's a, a big part of it too. Particularly three pointers off the pick and roll. Uh, and you know, you're not going to change your scheme for Brandon Ingram. I think you know a team like Philly in the playoffs last year, like they had to account uh, for Jason Tatum in, in a little bit more. Those are just questions. Obviously, Tatum is the vastly superior defensive player. Um, let, let's do some development ratings for these guys, though. Murray, I would say, despite that ridiculous playoffs. I would only have him at a at a six. I think he's just kind of like on track. Yeah, uh, I, I, ga- I gave doing. him a five. I said that if we had done this after the bubble, I would have given him a nine. But, you know, we didn't, it ended up being that yeah. je- sort of like with Tatum, we wondered, is that who they are now? And with Murray, so far, it hasn't been. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, it's either a nine or a ten. I gave him a ten. I mean, for me, yeah. It, there, yeah. The the argument in favor of a lower grade is that maybe he had this the whole time and we just didn't get an opportunity. But that's the way we have to do this: is the player we saw then versus the player we see now. And for me, that's a ten. I mean, he was. I believe I had Shea as a player to watch last year, and he is so far beyond that now. And Gildas Alexander is the only one of the players that of in this tier, including my expanded one with OG, that could be on the list next year. And I don't know exactly where he's going to place. So yeah, I had Shea, so he I had him in the players to watch, which technically doesn't even mean I had him at 16. It just means he was in players to watch. Yeah, and I I, I had Murray, his rankings over the years, he was 10th, then he was honorable mention, which means he was just below 10th, but still in the same tier as guys in the top 10. Then he was 10th his third year. Actually dropped him down to players to watch. 
last year and then now he's back at at number eight so yeah i guess maybe i should probably give him a seven development grade instead of a six um and then shay yeah he was in players to watch for me both these last two years and he's really made a a massive improvement here so that's why i gotta give him a 10 and then De'Aaron Fox, actually, his run, he was in players to watch his first year when he was woefully inefficient. Then I moved him up to nine the second year. That second year, he was really, like, started off great. And then last year, it was tough for him because he had that grade three ankle sprain early on. I think he was out when we did this, and he'd had kind of a rough start to the year. And also, just, like, last year's list was absolutely loaded. So moved him uh, from players to watch this year up, up to 10th. And then Ingram was in uh, players to watch two years ago but it had never been above players to watch actually went from players to watch up to nine meteoric rise last year and this year he's a uh, 11th okay so let's talk a little bit about De'Aaron oh fox. we, we got to do a development grade for uh for fox and ingram well we should talk more uh, about fox before we give him a grade i mean we, oh yeah yeah i guess we, we haven't really hit on him that much yeah oh, so, I, so my development score for ingram was a nine um just because remember we were we were early in the small sample size last year i had ingram in that tier you would call it honorable mention i had him 12th because i did rank all the way through there um and I trust the offensive game more. You know, the, the, the it's true that a lot of the development is actually just confirming that what we saw early was real, but that still counts to me. And there's a lot more nuance in his on-ball game now. And I think that it's, I, I still don't necessarily love watching it, but he has gotten better. And I, th- I maybe I should do an eight just because the defense hasn't improved, but it's, yeah, I'm going to move it down to an eight because of that, but his offensive game is, is a lot better. Yeah, I, I would go with a seven just because I had kind of priced in that the shooting improvement was real last year. I was I was convinced by that uh, just because he was taking so many more and was hitting more free throws and that turned out to be correct but I don't know that he actually really is that much better than he was when we did this last year right now so I, I went with the seven there because it does he at least consolidated those gains uh, as I mentioned uh, and uh, did you want to talk more uh, about Fox we uh, haven't or? really we haven't really talked about him that much just a little bit I mean so Fox is a clearly a talented player and but he's to me of the of the guards in this group he is the weakest of them as a pick and roll player now it's fair to argue that he also has the least supportive overall talent when you think about i mean Jokic obviously is a monster and then the the thunder have worse overall talent than the kings but having a pick and pop setter i think really does open things up for shea and specifically so maybe he could be better than he is but that hasn't quite been there and he's he's not i, I think fox has better defensive tools he actually cares more on defense than a lot of these other guys but he doesn't his effort like his overall effect on that end isn't as pronounced like if if he was at that really high level defensively maybe i'd feel more confident but he still deserves a spot in this tier but i do i did like kind of as i was shaking it out he was always the lowest guy in this tier but he was always in it so I apologize, actually. I had the stats on his three-point shooting completely wrong. I had it in my mind that last year was a step forward, and then this year is a step back. Actually, two years ago was a step forward. Last year was a step back, and now this year is a step forward again. I just said, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, a little while he, since I did a, the research, so I He's at 34% that. on 5.7 per 36 minutes. And, and, get yeah. the, and get into the line, but it is concerning Fox, 68% from the free throw line this year. So the idea that he's, I mean, yeah. you and I have both been skeptical that he's going to be like a very good three-point shooter, a, a solid one that could absolutely be in the cards for fox one interesting yeah kind yeah, of the, the free throw shooting makes me think that no he's not going to make that transition to elite sure I, I do want to push back on something you said though of him being the worst pick and roll but i would say shea is probably number one out of those uh murray you know can look awesome in pick and roll but he's not doing that much of it 
Uh, and True. Is, particularly as a distributor, you know, I think Fox is a lot better. I think Fox is a much better transition player uh, as well to really boost your offense. Like Murray doesn't really give you that transition push. Shea doesn't really give you a ton of that either. So that's that's something that that is in Fox's ledger. So I, again, I, he's in the same tier. I wouldn't say you're crazy to put him at the top of this group, but the reason I have him a little lower is just that I think the, the the versatility of what he can do offensively is just a little bit lower than than Murray and Shea. But I, I do think he's has done more as a pick and roll player than, than Murray in his career. Maybe if Murray were unleashed more in that respect, it, things would be different. So just to run through my tier three, Ananobi, eight overall, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, nine overall, Jamal Murray, 10 overall, Brandon Ingram, 11 overall, De'Aaron Fox, 12 overall. Okay, yeah, and I had what was my tier four, Murray, eight, Shea, nine, Fox, 10, Ingram, 11. And so now, now we get into players to watch, and this is players that we've talked about before as guys who have all-star potential or the potential to be a very solid wing starter given the, the scarcity. So who did you have uh, in this group? It's a very weird time because they're like, I think that's some of the players it's like, can they put the physical talent with the tools? And then for other guys, it's kind of ramping up usage. So like the first guy, and it was more just because I thought he could have made the list at a different, or, you know, at a different point, if this year had been better, but Tyler hero, like he's a, a talented player who was very effective at times. You know, we talked about how up and down he was in the bubble. Um, but it, it is also kind of hard to imagine exactly what that, you know, like to think about what the guys in, in our, in our top tiers do. It is, a little bit hard to imagine where he slots in well and that's actually why i have him in the group below this which i called uh, others worth discussing um and i just don't think he's other than having some good games in the bubble like he outside of the bubble he has not been that great he can't get to the rim all that well he's had some injury issues this year obviously and he's had some big games but he hasn't been efficient he's not a plus defensively even though he he competes hard on that end he's really a shooting guard and is probably a little undersized for that defensively you see some of the team building issues that they have that they can't really play him and Duncan Robinson together against some of the best teams they've tried to go to that zone to junk that out it's hard even to play him and Goran Dragic together sometimes defensively as well and so I just I haven't seen enough from him he is there are a number of aspects of him that cause him to maybe get a little bit more attention as a prospect than he deserves and obviously credit the heat for pumping him up as much as possible you you want to do that he is in a good development system too uh but i would be very surprised if tyler hero 21 at this point uh is age 21 season if i would ever have tyler hero on an all-star team i think he could make it just because of some of the uh reasons that cause him to be overrated in my opinion uh if if those enter the the consciousness but i think uh i just don't see him as a, an all-star level of guy in the future so that's why Tot- i have totally him below fair this group so i'm interested so I, so was he at the top of that group for you no i didn't i didn't really order this group it was more just uh, that's not the way i i think I, I didn't really order this group at all yeah okay he was just a, he I was just, just a, he was yeah yeah so i i have og in this group uh as well as like a, closer to the top uh probably the other guy that i really would be the closest to the next year for me again i think there is a very clear delineation with this is uh jaron jackson jr sure um but for him the injury issues obviously are a concern and the lack of development defensively and generally sometimes the injury issues 
combine to make your lack of development defensively more of a problem uh jaron jackson jr this is kind of an interesting his progression here is an interesting window into kind of how i do things his first year 2018 i had him seventh and the thought was hey he's got this great reputation defensively and whoa man he's doing all all the shooting here and his post game looks pretty good and man the sky's the limit for this guy uh because you think hey that door is open for him being uh, this defensive difference maker who can shoot it and score the way he can so that's why i had him at seven then i moved him down to players to watch last year part of that was because a lot of other players have really had some big rises lately and now he's in players to watch again this year in part because he's had some injuries and also like it doesn't the chances of him being like a game-changing defender seem much lower than they did when he was a rookie and you thought that he could maybe develop so i I think that that's like a window of like hey this guy has shown all this potential in year one i really value that a lot but then when you get to the point where it's starting to look like some of those doors are closed off to you then i'll drop guys pretty quickly yeah, that, and that and that's totally fair. I have Jaron in this, and that's not well. to say that he's not going to be a great player for a long time. I love his three point shooting; he's one of the best shooting big men in NBA history. But he also doesn't do much else at this point either. Right, and something that was really striking to me going through this is there are a lot of young guards that have potential, but there aren't that many that I see as being like that. It's being imminent. Like let's say Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes also having a brutal year before he got hurt. But even if we're, we're gaming it out, you know, I watched a lot of film of him as a prospect. Like, I'm not super confident. Like, I will acknowledge the possibility. And I think it's the same kind of thing with the Cavs guards of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Yeah, like, they have the they have the profile of a player just because they'll have the, they could have the usage. And so if they become more efficient. But I also don't think, like, my expected value for them as a player is lower than a lot of the other guys in this list. Like, for example, like, Lou Dort, I don't think Lou Dort is going to be a star in the league I, he's a wonderful defender he's kind of like a, a weaker not physically but like you know like og and anobi light i think that's a fair way to put it and dort's 21 so like i didn't have anybody else that i'm like oh they're knocking on the door i didn't have anybody in any positional category that i thought was hmm well the michael porter jr had to be in there for me yeah he's in, in my prospects in to, the watch. Players to watch yeah yeah um tyrese halliburton was in this group for me another guy where i i'm he's not really quite a wing to fit into the very solid wing starter category but he is a guy who's just is going to be a swiss army knife at either guard position for a long time uh i don't i think maybe he has all-star potential if like the shooting can really get leveraged into a much bigger deal than it has been so far but he still is not going to be like an every down pick and roll threat and and as a guard if you can't do that it's really difficult to play yeah like at an all-star level like for example if we're making let's make all-star the threshold i think that's fair i think anthony edwards has a higher chance of making an all uh, making an all-star team than halliburton does right now even though i'm lower on on edwards than i am on halliburton just because players like halliburton don't usually make it no i I think that's fair but i I mean halliburton is just such a good version it seems like of the archetype that he is that that's why he's in there normally a guy without a ton of offensive upside at least that's my opinion i'm not saying it's impossible but it it would take quite a leap uh is not going to be in this but um another guy that i think actually at least deserves some mention for the way he played this year and hopefully this doesn't get messed up by the fact that he had to go into the knife is uh deandre hunter yeah hunter is this is his age 23 season i generally do not include age 23 players and prospects to watch but yeah he he could he could have been in in maybe in that my last year if he had been healthy this year also 
if we've gotten more of a chance to see, you know, where where his game was in a larger sample size. But yeah, Hunter's had a re- real growth this year as a, I think he's been better defensively. I think that he's been better, you know, his, his shooting numbers obviously are, are much improved as well. So yeah, I generally, he kind of fit to me in the, into the nether regions of like not a pro- player to watch because they're not going to be on the list next year, but also like could end up being a good player for sure. Yeah, well, we could just watch them in general. Well, like, and, and to, for, for this list, we should also mention a couple others that we should definitely mention. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, you and I have been lower on him than many but he's still a you know a talented player has grown has improved defensively a lot but it's also a reminder of how great you have to be as a big in order to make this list I mean I only had one center in my entire top 12 and that was Bam Adebayo who was awesome and so Aiton yeah Aiton was a a a, uh a tier below for for me in the worth discussing group rather than players to watch yeah i I, I would i would be because i just i don't see him as having uh being a guy who's gonna make an all-star team or has even much of a chance okay so who else is in that players to watch tier for you uh i think colin sexton had to be bumped up there uh, this year even though he's fallen off a a little bit age 22 yeah age 22 for for sexton uh you know he was he still has uh, his warts to be sure but he's had some pretty monster scoring games this season season uh, and his defense uh, as we've seen might look better in a, in a different e- ecosystem john collins still has to be in there uh, as uh, i mean he, he's gotten better defensively although i thought he has taken some steps back in that area recently and I think let's just keep our eye on kelton johnson yep as well that's that's another one of those his shooting has been off and on this year i don't i doubt that he will be in this group for me next year but he's a, a wing he's on the spurs that has a lot of defensive versatility shooting has some growth but again the spurs have had some decent success with helping guys out there uh and i think yeah i think that's everyone that that i had uh, so in in this group i had him i guess your equivalent would be in the worth discussing there was this collection of lower usage wings where it's like yeah if you become good enough defensively and can be efficient offensively i could see you kind of sliding in around on this list and so certainly deandre hunter would be in that category cam reddish i think is fits that description as well kelton johnson reddish is having such a bad year this yeah but he has he has he has the potential um patrick williams we'll just have to see where it goes remember i was high on him as a draft prospect he's gotten a lot of a lot of opportunity with with the bulls gary trent jr is kind of different than that but also kind of similar in terms of the overall value you know he's smaller but he also has been a more established three-point shooter i'm not as high on a coro but there's absolutely a chance it works out we talked on yesterday's pod about some of the defense that he played on trey young in the Cavs win on tuesday and yeah i mean Aiton, I mean, because there are other big, like when I was kind of compiling my list of like there were other other bigs like Wendell Carter. I'm like, oh, should we think about it? It's just like, I'm just not sold on them. Like Carter and Wiseman and Marvin Bagley. It's like, eh, maybe, but I, Mitchell Robinson. But it's like, I don't think so. Jared Allen. Sorry, I should definitely mention him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, of this group, Anthony Edwards and Wiseman are in there. I mean, those are probably the two players who have the highest upside of this group uh, to potentially move up uh, just due to their ridiculous uh, athleticism. I haven't been particularly impressed with the feel for either of those guys so far but those are the two that i would say are most likely to move up out of this but i wouldn't say that either of them has shown enough i know that like wiseman's putting up good scoring and rebounding numbers per 36 but he hasn't really been that efficient and just just watching him again as i think about it you said what the just the bar for big men 
being like a real all-star level of player you either got to be Rudy Gobert on defense or you got to be Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Bam Adebayo on offense and you know maybe Adebayo is kind of the closest to what Wiseman could be someday uh but I just but think the, the about, lack of think, feel and the lack of catching just kind of bothers but me but think about the depth and variation within Bam's offensive game like Wiseman could be more efficient but a lot more limited and he wouldn't particularly he wouldn't be super close on this list for me just because that is a lot and also Wiseman I it's possible that he becomes the level of defender of Bam I mean he has as you said like amazing physical tools different than Bam but but his length and everything but generally I think I I usually see more from those guys early in terms of feel and everything than I have from Wiseman so we'll have to see yeah and obviously let's remember that Bam was like I don't know if he was even like in the others worth discussing list as a rookie um so yeah Wiseman Edwards probably still have the the greatest chance of moving up just because of the the physical tools John Isaac still has to be in here as well this will be his last year on this list but obviously was defending at an all-nba level before he went down but just the the injuries are so concerning as was the lack of the development with the jump shot uh perpetual candidate Lowry Markkinen has taken taken a jump this year and then promptly suffered suffered an injury as always seems to happen to him but his shooting is starting to come around I I don't see him as an all-star level but maybe he can there's starting to be a little bit of a thought that maybe he can mature into an elite stretch for um you know Kobe White still a 20 year old starting has shown some growth as a shooter off the ball still overstretched as a starting point guard rj barrett i'm just gonna mention him just because he's literally worth discussing because he's a guy that a lot of people really believe in but there's just absolutely zero statistical argument for him to be anywhere high on this list right now and also i just with his shooting not being amazing and not being an unbelievable athlete he has gotten better defensively but just the idea that he's gonna be a number one or number two option which is kind of what he has to be to really have that much value uh i just don't see that happening at all anyone else you wanted to talk about in this group dort is in this group for me too devin vassell taylor horton tucker a chance of emmanuel quickly breaking through i think he's been the third best oh yeah i meant i meant to mention um yeah I, I think of him as more, you know, somebody maybe in the Tyler Hero category where they end up being a useful player, but not kind of the type of guy on this list. And, you know, the same criticism I've levied on Halliburton to an extent, as much as I love him. Uh, I mentioned Jared Allen in passing, but, you know, he, he could end up putting it together. And I, I I like I like Allen, you know, the but but the idea of him being like a solid starting center is far more likely than him being a top eight center. Yeah, so as we take stock of the overall list, some of the risers and fallers, uh, only one player dropped out of the top 10 this year. That was Brandon Ingram, and that's just barely. I think that is really just because Shea moved up. Uh, he was still in that same tier, as as good an argument of anyone of being in the top 10. So uh, really, everyone else has been like a very positive story. Some guys have come back from injury and looked better. Nobody's really gotten hurt other than Jonathan Isaac on this list, which is really encouraging. So uh, the league's in a good place uh, with a lot of these young guys right now. You got to feel pretty good about that, that few of these, I I guess, uh, well, Jaron Jackson maybe is another one who's disappointed a little bit due to injury, but I I think you do overall, but it's also important that the, the only, like, I hate to be the kind of the, the cloud on this, but players are going on schedule. We haven't seen, you know, Luca had his ascension. We haven't really seen anybody do that level of thing. Like I had John Morant move up my board, but that was, that was more him actually 
Bailey being I, the player. I, I would say that Tatum. I, I mean, Tatum. No, no dude, I, I will say that. Right. Like, is nobody on this list other than Luca is someone you're like, yes, that guy is going to be a top five player in the league for years to come uh you know zion probably has the the greatest chance of being that that's why i had him number two um but tatum has certainly had a meteoric rise since this point last year to get to where he's at yeah i guess that's true i mean i had tatum six last year and five this year um and in the same tier functionally speaking because in the tier below luca yeah um but but you know like that that other like what i'm describing here is like somebody who i think has a realistic shot not a you know like i mean not the any chance rule but something beyond that of winning an mvp or being first yeah. team all nba like i would love right, for there right. to be another guy like that and some of that is this this what you know maybe lamello ends up being that guy from the, from that rookie class and it sometimes takes time that that you know like Kawhi and a lot of other players it has taken time but that would be what would make me really excited my, my biggest risers though john morant shea gildress alexander i mean that is a a huge yeah. one and you know, kind of, I, I was skeptical of Shea in somewhat similar ways as I was Dennis Schroeder, where it's, you, they were in a, a very favorable situation. You know, Chris Paul had a lot to do. He was making, he had big assignments offensively and defensively. And that meant that Gilgis Alexander had to do a lot more this year. And preliminarily, he's really succeeded. So he is my biggest riser. Yeah, he would probably be mine as well, Tatum being a, another one. You make a good point, though, that who is the guy other than Luka that you expect as of now to lead his team to a championship? And yeah, I'm not sure that I would put that sort of expectation on any of these guys, though certainly there, there can be unexpected improvements yeah of the players who dropped out of players to watch jonathan isaac uh, that was a been a, a sad story um let me ask you this danny who are the players that are most likely for good or for ill you know either by improving or not living up to our expectations who are going to make these rankings look stupid in a couple of years for me I think having Trey Young second, considering his limitations, like that could really blow up. Also, he can be, let's call it surly, both on and off the court. That could, and, and that matters. Like, I mean, as, as much as some people would want to go, oh, it's the play on the floor. It's like, if your teammates hate the crap out of you, that does matter. Um, and LaMelo, I, I mean, I, it's interesting. Like, I mean, he, he has the potential. Like, I think I maybe, it, it, the, the, we had that long discussion about, you know, kind of, I see LaMelo as the, the kind of the John Morant style where I'm going to see it a little bit more clearly. Maybe he becomes undeniable, or maybe he just becomes a little bit more pedestrian, like a a, a good offensive player, but far from a great one. I think that's completely possible. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's possible that you could that he's just not going to develop. He's just such a unique player. It's hard to see focus in on what he's going to be three, four years from now. But I think you could very easily say, hey, like this guy shouldn't have been higher than Jamal Murray and Shea and De'Aaron Fox and Ingram. Although, of course, I mean, it's worth remembering where all these guys were as a rookie compared to LaMelo. LaMelo is above all of those guys as a rookie. So that's it's fair to have him higher as of right now uh Shea, um, Shea and jamal yeah. murray Shay because this is such a small sample size jamal murray because he delivered on a bigger stage than anybody else in his group so maybe it's just like that's that's going to be who he is he's he's a you know could do that i would say they're they're another two that could could move significantly yeah. so so you're saying you're too low on murray and too high on Shay? yeah i think it's possible i mean it's also possible that Shay is just this awesome and then he's maybe the tier above next year 
Yeah, and I think of the guys down in the players to watch, I think the ones who have the best chance of moving up, Michael Porter Jr., I just, especially with the health issues in as well, and I, you know, I don't, he's not being featured this way, but I just don't see him as like a great passer, a great one-on-one scorer. He's kind of more a guy who can knife into the gaps and get you some buckets but isn't going to create those buckets necessarily he's kind of more of a play finisher if jaron jackson jr yep. rediscovers his defensive potential he's the guy to me who could get into this and he, he's only this is only his age 21 season yeah and for example like i had miles turner at in in my i guess you would call it honorable mention i had him 11th in the same tier and i i could see jaron jackson i mean i had jaron jackson and miles turner in the same tier last year i could easily see him having that kind of year let's call it year between now and the next time we do this so yeah totally possible and wiseman and edwards obviously too just due to their athleticism sure and i think that they're wiseman in particular i think there are some other observers who would probably have him higher we we probably would i would guess we'll get the most comments about him needing to be higher here and so you want to go back and just do a little uh a little history and see what some of our some of our best picks ever and what some of our dumbest picks ever were um i'll start i started doing this in 2014 back when i was merely writing uh this is for the 14 15 season back then uh anthony davis at age 21 was my number one overall pick that seemed to work out pretty well um Tier two was Kyrie Irving, number two, Jabari Parker, number three, in his rookie year. Hmm. This is before he tore the ACL. And Kawhi Leonard, number four. And this, remember, this is Kawhi, who had been the finals MVP, but really it was more of a role player. And I said he wouldn't seem to have the offensive ceiling of the players above him on this list. Well, that was wrong. <laughs> and uh then i had next year down i had Giannis at number five andre drummond at number six he just i mean he probably was a better player at age 21 than he is now oddly enough and brad beal dante exum was way too high on him rudy gobert um i was i was early on him as i know you were also and then had joel Embiid, even though he hadn't even played it all yet uh that turned out to look pretty good so other than dante exum and jabari parker and you can see again those are guys who had just been drafted remember how much of a hard on everyone had for that 2014 draft early on and just so many of those guys due to injuries never really developed but i think it's fair to say that it, even with without the injuries jabari and dante exum probably wouldn't have deserved uh, to be in this group um and i was i was i was had andrew wiggins at that time down in players to watch that actually seemed to be pretty good um a, any commentary there not really i'm looking through my own and i i don't have for whatever reason my full list for december 16 i only have the working list which had my tier one of towns davis and Giannis, which is pretty fun with with how that how that has worked out and then when it, was that that was that was the next year 2015 16 that was that was 16 17 oh okay well let's uh let's stick with the the chronological order okay then uh, we, uh, if sure. uh but yeah i mean like did you have any like i know you weren't doing the list at that time but did you did you have any like general thoughts on some of the I know you were super high on Exum at the I, time, I was, lower I, on Parker. Well, I was high on Exum relatively, but I was actually low on that class. That was one difference that you and I, and I mean, the guy who I believed in that class was Joel Abid, but he was hurt. That was, you know, we weren't even sure if he was going to play. Like that was the, the big limitation with him there. I think I, you know, I was, I was definitely lower on Jabari than you were, but I, 
I think my general take at that point would have been just to have the guys in that class lower overall, just because I didn't I didn't totally see it with them. Um, that like that was my theory behind Exum. I basically had Exum number one because I didn't believe in Andrew Wig and Jabari. Like that was the real was the real reason I had him there. That I mean, that was wrong. <laughs> you know, he's the worst player. Oh, I was gonna say he's the worst player of the three. I'm not 100 percent sure that's right. Um, <laughs> but. I mean, and especially because two of the three have battled so many injuries. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that I think it's it's reasonable overall. And I mean, the the Kawhi stuff. I mean, that type of player. You know, we could see if maybe there's a parallel with former teammate OG Ananobi. It's like the that kind of career arc is unusual, though it is becoming more commonplace. But again, like we're running the risk here, and I mean, I'm that's why I'm not predicting it happens with OG, where those players don't usually become the offensive forces. And like we'll see what happens with Jalen Brown and a few of these other guys. But that that's it's it's common enough that we should acknowledge the possibility, but not common enough where you assume it's gonna happen. Just like Michael Red ruining a generation of analysis for people thinking that all these guys can shoot will eventually be able to shoot yeah so it looks like my 2015 list has disappeared from the internet now uh and that was before i just was putting it in a in a google doc and we we probably have a podcast of that at some point maybe i'll just go back and listen to it it'll be interesting but you'll enjoy the audio quality uh, it probably wasn't that bad by that point that would have been like december of 2015 yeah we would have solved Um, that more by then yeah, when I wasn't using my computer microphone, <laughs> a lot, a lot of it. I mean, people always say like, "Oh my God, your mic! I can't believe it!" Like the mic has. I mean, when it's a computer microphone, yes, but the mic has very little to do with it. It is much more just about the room that you are in and having a bunch of absorbent surfaces in there. Yep. But anyway, uh, twenty sixteen seventeen. You are going to talk about that then. Yeah, so sixteen seventeen. That's the first list that I have in my in my stuff, and I don't for whatever reason have the full thing. Um, my tier one was Towns, Davis, and Giannis in that order. I remember at that point, you and I were both excited about Towns' potential defensively. The film on him at Kentucky was was actually much better than he has become, but, you know, his, his talent is an offensive yeah. player. And then with AD, it was, I, I mean, we, we kind of saw what he what he could be. So you had Towns higher than AD. Huh? I did, and I ha- but I had Giannis yeah. in that tier, which I think I was early on the Giannis train there having yeah. him with those guys. I think I remember us having an extended discussion on that. And, you know, it hadn't happened yet, but it did happen. Yeah, so I had AD as number one. I think I remember we had had a conversation about it at the time that like you just couldn't go with Towns uh compared to like what AD had done. And yeah, Towns, Davis, and Giannis were the main ones. Then I had uh Porzingis and Joel Embiid next in the four or five. And then then it got a little uglier. I had Wiggins and Parker at six and seven. Parker, this is actually Parker had come back from the ACL and was starting to look good again before he'd gotten the next ACL tear in, in 16-17. And uh, Ben Simmons, Drummond still was in there. And Jamal Murray was someone that we were very early on in that 2016 draft. The guy that we were late on was Nikola Jokic. He was, this was only his second year and he was also this is when he wasn't even like he and Nurkic were like playing together and Nurkic was starting over him and so this is like December of 2016 so it wasn't as obvious and then Devin Booker obviously uh we were uh, were famously not high enough on and but he was still an honorable mention so he still was in the same tier as guys in the top 10 which a lot of people didn't really seem to get uh Jalen Brown was in there too Brandon Ingram these are all right after these 2016 guys 
guys got drafted um yeah i mean wiggins and parker were obviously the two and and drummond i mean he's still you know he was that past year he was an all-star and he was part of a playoff team with he and reggie jackson the pick and roll and then he just again never really developed much beyond that which i, I think we acknowledge that's why uh he wasn't higher but he's really i mean if anything regressed oddly so then if we want to jump to a December of the 17-18 season, I think by that point, you know, Giannis had moved into tier one by himself for me. I believe he was that for you as well. Um, my tier two was Towns, Porzingis, Simmons, and Embiid. And I think that was, I think that's the high watermark for Porzingis. And Jokic had moved into, I had him in a tier three by himself. And I, I feel good in the sense that I had Jokic over that tier four. Um, I mean, he obviously ended up outperforming most of the guys, if not all of the guys in my tier two, if we're talking about since then. Um, you want to talk about that or do you want to keep moving on? Yeah, no, well, Embiid was my number two. Yeah, that was, uh, we had all these foreign big men centers. Uh, and Giannis, yeah, was clearly number one at that point. I had Simmons and Jokic. This was Ben Simmons actually his first time playing. Uh, we hadn't seen him at all. The, the previous year, his ranking was based on him. There was a thought he would come back that year, but then he didn't. And yeah, Jokic just continued to move up. I mean, remember, this is the year that the Nuggets... I think this was the first Millsap year. This is the year that they were in basically a de facto playing game with Minnesota, which they lost. But the Nuggets' uh, defense was pretty terrible with Jokic out there still, and it was unclear that he would get to be as good of a scorer as he was. And um, and Simmons is another guy who kind of never really developed as much as you thought that he would with his offensive game. We didn't know at this time that he was going to never get a jump shot. I mean, when I saw him at the Hoop Summit in uh, 2015, like he was taking threes. He was, it wasn't like you didn't think he was going to just be a complete non-shooter and then the, the rest of that star cross 2017 class jason tatum we at least had the good sense or at least i did to put him above dennis smith and markel fultz i did not and, i had them in the same yeah. tier but i had those guys above yeah so smith and fultz obviously fultz was going through all of his issues already at this point but we didn't we thought it was like an injury we didn't really know the extent of what was happening and uh and then uh donovan mitchell was uh, in the midst of, of a nice rookie year at, at number 10 and again uh booker was right outside of that group uh um, and that clearly having Booker below Smith and Fultz. But it's also an indication where we thought Smith and Fultz had a lot of upside. And when it was clear that they didn't after a year, then they got dropped out. Yep. And then, and so I, in the honorable mentions, I was, I was happy that I had, I had OG in that group. I had um, Jamal Murray in that group, De'Aaron Fox, you know, like the, so all those guys ended up yeah. kind of moving. Jalen Brown was in there for me too. I, had, I, I, I didn't I, have Fox. I had, so. had Jalen Fox already in my, in my tiers. He was my number 10 that year. I had him over Tatum, which uh, I remember drove a bunch of Celtics fans crazy. This is amusing. I had, uh, this is the note I had on Aaron Gordon for potentially being an honorable mention. If he keeps up the shooting, he would be in this, but he's at 40% on threes, 55 of 137. Do you really want to count on that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and like Zach Levine made a couple of a couple of appearances in the players to watch. I think we we're maybe a little earlier on him than, or at least I was. Um, I was higher on him as a draft prospect and lower on him his entire career after that. 
yeah kyle kuzma was getting a lot of buzz right them had him in players to watch my note on him was is he kind of like what jabari was supposed to be in some ways can he get better defensively already 22 though let's think very seriously about what we think he can be and i think that's that's part of why we ended up being lower on him which seems like things have uh have worked out and uh we did finally drop jabari parker and andrew wiggins at age 22 out of any really kind of consideration at all so i think that's it we probably t- everyone the, the years afterwards are all mostly players that are still in this that we're talking about so yeah i'll mention uh, I'll, I'll, the only one i'll mention because i have my 18 one that was when i moved Jokic all the way up from tier three and number six to tier one and number one like that was the Jokic and towns were my top two that year and then it was i think oh yeah we, me too me we too. had this big argument i from what i recall like i it was i can't remember which way this went it was about simmons and luca i i don't know if you have your sheet open i had simmons three and luca four but i think it was that you had luca by himself and not Simmons but I can't remember if that was right no my tier two was Luca Donovan Mitchell Ben Simmons Jason Tatum and uh Luca was at the top of that group for me though that that was the first time since I have ranked them as draft prospects that I had Miles Turner over Kristaps Porzingis so I have been on that boat before of course Jamal Murray and Tim Booker were also in that tier and a bunch of other guys we're not rattling through the whole thing uh yeah okay let's uh let's wrap up here this was fun and thanks so much for listening uh, of course we'll talk to y'all next time till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply